Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my blog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that we get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, this past week, a lot of effort went into preparation for Comic-Con LA. Uh, a group of filmmakers and I, Jeffrey Crane Graham, Morgan Lester, Daniel Argeros Lefevre, Courtney Stewart, and Khalil Abdarahim, we were all on a panel together to talk about how to make a low-budget indie film without sacrificing ambition and scope, right? And that was the title. That was basically what we were trying to achieve. And so, you know, there was planning that went into that because we wanted to make sure that we gave really good value to people. And by the way, um, it has since happened. Um, and even if you couldn't attend, that's fine because it is available on replay, as they say, you know, so you can check that out. Um, I've linked to it down below so you can you know, go watch it and learn. Um, and sort of midway through the week, I kind of noticed an inherent issue um, in terms of what we were planning. And, and the inherent issue was it didn't fit with what the title was. It felt very safe and very like by the book. Here's how film school teaches it, you know. And that ends up being costly and very routine and so forth. And, you know, I'm someone that loves Mavericks. I try to be Maverick in the sense that just break the rules, right? My overarching philosophy is whatever gets the project done is the correct way. Obviously, without hurting people, being a, a heinous person and all those different things. But... And by the way, it's all possible and it's all doable. You don't have to be an asshole um, in order to you know, do things differently. But anyway, uh, that was my approach to it all. And, you know, it's, I also value having differing thoughts. I always wanted to sort of bring that to the table. And, you know, these are people that I collaborate with. And um, the reason I collaborate with them is because there's an aspect of, you know, I have my drive and they need that. And, but they also have practicalities that, that I need, or sometimes the, you know, the butting of heads can come to a third unseen solution that actually works best of all. So, you know, none of, none of these sort of guiding philosophies, if you will, are better or worse. Um, but just felt like we were leaning too safe and not enough of like the aspirational and so forth. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about that and also it felt very clinical as if like, we we're just going to lecture people. Um, we wanted to make it engaging and Courtney was the one that really pointed that out. And so that made me reshuffle the, the rundown of how we were going to approach this and more so it was like, okay, we know where our biggest issue will be 50 minutes is just going to go by like that, right? It's going to be so quick. We're going to barely scratch the surface. And, you know, in hindsight, 
of course, like it went great. But yeah, I mean, you know, the next day you're thinking, like, I wish we could have included this. I really wanted them to know this. But we, I did make the effort along with the rest of the team to make sure that we could supplement what we had on stage. So we had a list of resources for people to be able to utilize. And then, you know, all the tips that we had come up with, you know, we put in there as well. So that way people could benefit from that. And so, you know, there was, of course, the... The, the lecture, if you will, but then just the, the written material that people could take home so they didn't have to like vigorously take notes, you know, and they worked in tandem. So um, I think that that really was quite useful. Um, and for me, you know, what, what, one of the big things that if I look back on it, I wish I could have gotten across more is the idea of limiting beliefs, you know, anytime you're fearful of something, it's because it's a limiting belief. And uh, certainly therapy has been, you know, tremendous for my art as well as life, right? Like if you can get past limiting beliefs in life, then it only elevates what you do. And so, you know, that that was kind of a big component that I wish I, I, I mentioned. And a more practical way of saying that is the tactics to make a movie on a low budget are out there. You know, question why aren't you stepping up? What is so fearful to you about the process? And, you know, sometimes people like hide behind the idea of making it perfect, right? Which is an arbitrary thing, of course, or that they need to know more. And, I, you know, there's a, a lesson that I taught, if you look it up, um, just in case knowledge versus just in time knowledge. And uh, many people in the world are trying to pick up just in case knowledge, like anything I need to know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm well prepared versus just in time knowledge is, you know, knowledge, like when you need something, you know, you can go out and get that information to be able to do what you need to do. Right. So yeah, while it'd be great to know so many different things, there's a better use of your time to be able to actually move forward. And when, when you, you know, need that stuff, you learn it, right? Um, it's one of the very first lessons that I ever did is about, it's not what you know, it's what you do when you don't know. And I think that's that's the key difference with people in general is, you know, how will you step up uh, to be able to, whether it be a film project, whether it be writing a book, you know, writing a song, whatever it may be, whatever creative endeavor that you're seeking, you know, if you don't know something, that's okay. But what are the steps that you're going to take to to gain that, right? And just-in-time knowledge falls into that category, right? Um, so, yeah. You know, there's there's that big aspect. And I also, you know, we didn't get enough chances to talk about the, um, the distribution side of things. Um, there was so much to kind of go over just in terms of the starting position of everything. But, you know, the truth of the matter is when it comes to any sort of project, you, you will have to market it, right? Um, it's hard enough, yes, to to make the piece of art, to grind that out. But in order to find success, you, especially on the indie level, will need to market your own stuff and account for that and be ready mentally to be able to do that. Um, so it's all, it's all a part of it. Uh, but overall, you know, I really loved 
people were very much engaged. You know, the room had about a hundred uh, seating capacity and it was three fourths full. You know, as I said, we wanted it to be a back and forth dialogue, not just a lecture. And, you know, people were raising their hands, asking questions. So they seemed very much into it. And afterwards, we had a chance to talk with a few people um, and so forth. You know, I think what, what makes it tough is I'm sure a lot more people would w wanted to connect. But, um, you know, the, it's Comic-Con, right? So you have like 20 different panels probably going on at the same time, plus everything else. So, you know, you're always trying to, you know, catch as much as you can in the moment. And it becomes, you know, difficult to with your time, right? But that's also what makes it so exciting. Um, and regardless, you know, the people that, uh, you know, had to like rush off to the next thing, you could just see they were very much inspired. And I, I, I think we'll do something with this information. I mean, if nothing else, they, they enjoyed what we had to show and it was worth their time. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that because that was the goal, right? Um, you know, one quick other thing that, came to mind also that I wish we had time to share is this idea that even if you get rejected, be thankful for those opportunities. You know, plenty of times film festivals have rejected my films and I say to them, hey, thank you for watching the movie and giving me a shot. Um, and oftentimes they'll offer me tickets to the festival or, you know, like, hey, keep, you know, keep submitting, stuff like that. And, you know, um, I think, you know, uh, whether it works out or not in that regard, it, you know, I, I, if nothing else, uh, just is good, right? Um, it's just, you know, rejection is hard at times. And when people are honest with you, I think that deserves recognition in and of itself. Um, you know, because people did take the time to watch the movie and consider it. And so that in and of itself is a major accomplishment and deserves to be acknowledged, right? So, you know, I think... Um, that's a big component um, that, again, just time-wise, I wish we had the ability to share and stuff like that. But, you know, it is what it is. As I said, our full panel um, discussion is available. Um, I've linked to it down below. So, you know, go rewatch it if you, if you were there. Um, watch it for the first time if you haven't. Um, and, yeah, you know, uh, comment with anything that... Uh, that comes to mind that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want uh, to explore. And, you know, I can maybe just respond with a quick answer or just do a video for, for future, right? That's, that's the awesome part about all of this. So yeah, that was, that was an exciting thing. Um, one sort of aspect of it too, you know, heading into it, I was feeling a little bit under the weather and given kind of circumstances of everything, you know, I very much wanted to make sure that everyone was comfortable, you know. And so I had notified the team and I said, hey, like, if you guys decide that, you know, you guys don't feel comfortable with me on the panel, totally up to you. Um, you know, if one person is not up for it, then I'll bow out. And it, it's kind of uh, funny to me, um, maybe not the right word, but regardless where a couple of weeks ago in therapy, we, um, we tackled the idea of preferences. And, you know, how you can like something, like if you go to an ice cream shop, let's say, you know, and you like chocolate ice cream, but if they don't have it, then vanilla or something else will be fine with you, right? That, that you're not going to 
essentially throw a hissy fit um, based on, you know, something not going a certain way. And, you know, it, it, it really was like that for me where for so long, like in many ways, I'd kind of like built to this and, you know, it was culmination of everything that I'd worked towards. Like it was a very, it, it's an honorable thing to be able to speak at a Comic-Con, right? And to deliver a message. And, you know, I wanted to, of course, from a selfish perspective, it's amazing to be up on, on stage and have people listen to you. But, you know, um, I, 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 I hope, you know, um, at this point you recognize that, like, I, I truly did want to bring as much value to the, to the stage as possible. Um, but I also knew that if I wasn't there, that they, I, I could trust them to do a great job regardless without me. And so it really was, I didn't have a preference. Like if they said, um, that, you know, they didn't feel comfortable with me being there because of sickness, you know, it wasn't, uh, it's not COVID or anything, just the common cold, but you know, still I didn't want to, I wanted to be mindful. Um, and, and you know, everyone said quite emphatically that they wanted me to be a part of it and they wanted me to lead this. And, um, it was just funny, like, oh, they seem to have a very strong preference for me being there. So, okay, cool. I guess I'll go. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it's just quite, quite the thing to not have an actual preference and, and to be okay with that. Um, and I think, again, when, when I talk about mental fortitude, resilience, and, how therapy has helped me both in life and certainly art. Um, this is an aspect that certainly is just going to yield dividends because it's not going to make me, I think, yes, you need passion and you want to be passionate. It's, um, I think when people think about, let's say like stoicism, they think it's unemotional and it's not about not having emotions. It's about not letting emotions excuse me, dictate you towards the negative, let's say, right? <coughs> excuse me. Um, so I think that's a major component of it, right? That idea that, you know, you are able to uh, respond with a clear head no matter what. And that if things don't go a certain way, that's okay because you recognize that, uh, that it's okay. There's other opportunity. And in fact, um, you know, something that I was also thinking about in general is this idea that, um, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize. I truly do that. There's some people who, you know, when we talk about not taking chances, and, um, and you could call it not living life, you know, people get fearful. So for example, I know many hosts that because they're hosts, um, they, let's say, won't go horseback riding or won't play a sport or anything because, it, you know, they're so fearful that if they get hurt, that their career is over, you know, and certainly, um, people have tried to impart this on me, you know, um, when, you know, uh, just because like I'm a man, you know, oftentimes in a manager position, things like that and, and so forth. And so, you know, I, 
at the time when I was playing soccer, people were like, you know, what if you get hurt and this and that. And yes, all that stuff is true. But, you know, the difference is for me, regardless of what happens, um, whether I get injured or not, like I always know I can create new opportunities for myself. I, I, I really believe in that, right? And, you know, that's why it, in a more kind of succinct and uh, specific way, you know, there, there's people in this world that have ideas and they hold on to them for dear life, not sharing them with anybody. And they never really get made because of that reason, because they're so fearful that the world's going to steal that idea that God forbid they like let it out, right? Whereas, you know, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I'm very open with ideas um, and things that I'm doing. Why? Because, you know, if someone decides that they want to steal an idea of mine, first off, execution is the real thing, right? Ideas are a dime a dozen, um, and most people will never execute on an idea to begin with. But even if they do, um, that's okay, because they're going to execute it way differently than I ever will. Um, And, you know, regardless, I also know I have 500 ideas that I can execute on at any moment. Like, I have that faith and and evidence of myself that I can just output more and more regardless. You know, I can pivot. It's all good. You know, Um, I'm not threatened by someone just taking one singular idea. And, you know, that's how I approach life in that same way. So, you know, going back to the example of a host being too scared to, let's say, ride a horse because they might suffer an injury. And it's like, they're pinning their entire existence, their career, on this idea that that they're just a host. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if it was me, I, I can think of 800 other things that, if it came down to it, that I could do. Right? It's that part, you can call it confidence, but I don't really call it confidence. It's more evidence. You want evidence of yourself that you're capable of so much more than you imagine right? So yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, um, major thing for me. And that certainly goes into another big aspect of last week was um, creating this pitch deck and presentation for my upcoming project, my new film um, called The Arbiters. Um, by the way, you can sort of track that journey on my Patreon page. I share various, um, you know, outlines and uh, write-ups and character sketches because it's an animated movie, so you can kind of get more of the behind-the-scenes there. So that's patreon.com slash There's only one tier. It's $10 a month. Um, and beyond just, like, seeing behind-the-scenes stuff, one of the benefits is, <coughs> excuse me, the aim is really to create a community um, and we can have more direct interaction, right? So I do monthly Q&As and um, things of that nature um, there. So um, if that's of interest to you, check it out. Patreon.com slash PhilSvitek. $10 a month, uh, only one tier. Everyone gets everything for that price amount. But anyway, yeah, um, so I was working on this pitch deck, and you know, we're now finally at the visual phase um, where things are being put into place, whereas before I was focusing on the te- the, the text, you know, um, or as in advertising, they say copy. And it's been really great to see this come together. 
you know, I shared it with a few of my collaborators and they're like, no, visually, you know, it's, it's a really, really good start and they like the, the layout. Um, and I say start because some of the pages are, you know, template only and need to be filled in with the right graphics and so forth. But, uh, but a great jumping off point. And also, um, as far as all of it, it got me thinking just story ideas in general, um, you know, and, and getting a hook, um, right off the bat, you know, this is an animated movie and so anything's possible and I'm really inspired by that and thinking about, okay, how do I open this movie that really engages people? Because I had like a, a, a an action set piece to open the movie up. I always knew I wanted that. And then in hindsight, I was like, wait, th- th- this could be an exciting set piece, sure, but it's an animated movie. Anything's possible. So, you know, what would like a Chris Nolan action set piece be, you know, like, or like, um, you know, I thought about Clive Kussler, who has his um, uh, Dirk Pitt novels, you know, that Dirk Pitt is like the James Bond form, right? It's this action adventure type of dude. Um, And, you know, those books always open up with something like grand happening. So I was like, okay, you know, I really got to thinking, like, what would be my big action set piece? And I think I've finally um, thought of one that really works. Um, but it, and, and it's been fun to really employ that creativity to try to think of, you know, what, what could I go with? Um, and quite serendipitous in all of this, um, uh, one of my friends is someone who wants to write and they, they text me because, you know, they know that I write and they were like, Hey, you know, what are some books that I can read, um, on writing or story? And I said, well, ironically, there's one called on writing by Stephen King. And there's one called story by Robert McKee. Um, but I said, really, you don't need books on writing. What you need to do is read at least an hour a day of, of not of, of fiction right? Um, because that stimulates you. As Stephen King says, those who don't read can't write. Uh, so, you know, read an hour a day consistently. Uh, then write consistently, I would say twice a week for at least an hour, right? You know, um, that's not that much time. That's two hours a week, but it will yield good results. And then edit, edit, edit. You know, um, I've talked a lot about this, People think that they need inspiration in order to write. And they don't. You know, the quality of your writing neither decreases nor increases based on your level of inspiration. Um, You know, the inspiration comes from that consistency and your mind will start to be like, oh, okay, cool, we're doing this. And boom, you know, that's that's how you break through. That's the difference between an amateur writer and a professional writer. And I don't mean in terms of getting paid. I just mean in terms of output, right? Professional writers have a consistent schedule, and work on their craft. So, you know, that's um, a big component and, you know, part of what allows these ideas to flow through me is because I have that consistency to me and my mind knows um, to like, hey, you know what, let's generate some ideas. I know this is like a a, a big thing. Um, Here was the initial idea that we you know, my mind came up with, but like, what? let's explore some different possibilities. And so I kind of think, feel like I came up with a pretty cool one. Um, so that's, that's been fun. Um, 
you know, and yeah, it, it kind of quick taking a quick step back. The reason I'm even doing this pitch deck um, and so forth is originally, um, you know, I want to have a full script and, and things of that nature kind of laid out before I start pitching this project. However, an opportunity came up um, because of my latest movie, A Bogota Trip. You know, um, there's an opportunity because people saw that, they liked it, and, you know, they're like, kind of like, hey, what's next for you, right? Type of deal. And so, you know, there's this opportunity to present. And so, you know, there's now a time, a, a date locked in for this pitch. So, you know, all steam ahead uh, to make this happen, right? And I'm very excited for that. That happens this week. And again, just kind of goes to show this, this core idea that in order for people to take notice, you have to be making stuff, right? People aren't just going to give you an opportunity if you're just asking for it. No, you need to be putting out work in whatever way that you can. Um, and, you know, for me, I've been fortunate to be able to make the movies that I've made, but I've also pivoted, like, my first novel was intended to be a movie, and it's one that I knew I wouldn't be able to make, so I was like, let me turn it into a novel, right? Um, and so, you know, you find a way to get things done creatively um, if it's an idea that you truly want to express, and that can take on different mediums, you know? At least it does for me, maybe not for you, that's okay, um, but you, you found a, find a way. And I remember I was talking with somebody, a friend of mine, I won't say who, but they were saying, oh, you're so lucky, you know, you're getting to pitch and, you know, people are interested in this next idea of yours. And I said, listen, I'm not lucky. No, 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 no. Let me correct you. I'm not lucky. I'm unfortunate. But I stepped up, right? You know, this is someone who criticized me for a Bogota trip, you know, they didn't like certain choices and so forth. And that's okay. You know, the one thing I will always say at this point is that you might not like my, my movies, but guess what? You can't tell me that they're shit movies. They're not shit movies. Right. And, uh, yeah, like because of that, now it's leading into this next opportunity. Whereas again, I, I, you know, just so many people that I see, um, that are aspiring, you know, they just wait and wait and don't take any sort of risk. And it doesn't mean be careless and so forth. You know, one, one of the things that we talked about at Comic-Con was this idea that, like, for me, it took me, you know, I was 30 before when I made my first film, which doesn't sound like a lot necessarily, but I'd been doing film stuff for 15 years, you know, whether it be documentary work, feature films, sizzle reels, TV shows, and digital stuff, and yada, 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 right? Like, I've been doing it, and, and short films, and so I'd learned, and I felt confident enough that I could make a feature film finally on my own, right? And I did, and that led me to be able to step up then with my second movie, right? So that's the exciting part, you know? I, I didn't just foolishly dive in head first, like, you know, there was evidence of myself to be able to go after this. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the big thing. And, you know, um, the World Cup has also been happening. I've been very fortunate to be able to watch a lot of the games. 
And one thing, one quote that really resonated with me is this idea that you play the game, not the occasion. And what this means is, you know, um, during the World Cup, you know, there's big matchups and players have to step up, right? Uh, so, for example, the USA versus Iran, USA had to win in order to advance to the knockout round, you know? So that was the occasion. Can they get through to the knockout round? Well, if you play the occasion, you get in your head um, and you, you play fearful and you're apt to make mistakes, right? Whereas if you just play the game, knowing how you, you play it, then the occasion takes care of itself. And this is a good metaphor for, for life in general. Um, certainly the creative endeavors that we all take, you know, making a feature film, whether it's your first time or so forth, is a big endeavor. You know, we'll call it that the occasion. But if you just take it bit by bit, you know, using what you know, learning along the way, and so forth, then you can succeed, just like the U.S. men's team did to get out of the knockout round, right? Um, that's a big, big component of it. And what's been wonderful to also just witness in this World Cup is people's mentalities, right? Again, sport is a great metaphor for life. That's why I love it. And I love soccer in particular. And, you know, there's a player named Modric who plays for Croatia. He's 37 years old. But man, oh man, he is... He's playing like a 29-year-old in his prime still, right? Like usually when players get that old, they, uh, you know, they, they start to wane and so forth and, and not have the mobility and the impact um, they used to, right? Not this, not, not him. And part of it is he, he has such a mental fortitude. He's like, no, we as Croatia, we are here. And our goal is to get as far as we can into the tournament, in fact, to win the World Cup, right? Like, that's his mindset. Whereas you had this golden generation of Belgian players. And in theory, one of the best players in the world, Kevin De Bruyne, who after their first game, you know, he said, he was asked essentially, you know, can Belgium win the World Cup? And he said, no chance, we're too old. And he's 31 years old, okay? And I, I take it in a way very personally because, I mean, I love Modric. Modric plays for Real Madrid. Um, so we have this 37-year-old who just still lights out, will you know burst through a wall, anything for his team, and will carry his team um, as much as he can versus you know pe- who, someone who people say is one of the best players in the world, um, and this is his mentality. If I was the coach, if I was the Belgian coach, I honestly would have thrown him out. I'm like, hey, if you don't think we can win, get the hell out. What are you doing here? Right? And, you know, not for nothing, I, 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 people will disagree heavily on this because there are so many people who love Kevin De Bruyne, but he is not a big-time game player. Even with Man City, he never steps up. And this is exactly the reason why. Because... He he is he has a limiting mindset. He has limiting beliefs. He really b- believed that the Belgian team were too old. And guess what? They crashed out. You know? 
And I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, when your best player, this is the mindset that he has, that we're too old, we don't have a chance. What do you expect? Whereas Modric is like, hell no, we're going all the way. We don't care. We don't care what other people think. We know who we are and we're going to do what the hell we can to advance. And so far, they're still in the tournament. They're in the quarterfinals and Belgium crashed out in the group play. This is the importance of mindset in everything. This is why talent and skill is not enough. Need to master mental fortitude. That is what this World Cup has certainly taught me. Also, just in general, um, you know, speaking of soccer, it's, I, I love how soccer brings people together. And, you know, I was kind of reflecting back on during the pandemic, it was playing soccer um, very much like old school, just kind of wherever we could sort of in secret. That kept my sanity, right? Um, you know, I don't go to the gym, I play soccer. Um, and so... Yeah, it was great. And then just recently, uh, there's been so much soccer happening in LA that, you know, people are playing on before, you know, in a pickup game, and then there's a league game and so forth. And so, I don't know, just I got to see so many of my friends, you know, all at once. And it's just been a nice reunion to to be able to witness that, right? And see people that I haven't seen in a bit and uh, say hi to them. Very grateful for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm at with things. One final thing, um, I wanted to share, and this is completely out of left field, but something that, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm able to express it in a perfect way, but, you know, when, when I look at the tensions in the U.S., um, and the polarization, I'd be very curious to see if everybody serving in the military, you know, like as 18 years old, would help diffuse some of that. You know, military is not, um, you know, is not mandated here in the U.S. And not that I'm a pro-war or anything like that, or militarization necessarily, but I think Certainly, there's a sense of camaraderie that, that happens when, you know, people serving come together in that way. Um, so, I don't know. It's just something that I've been kind of thinking about, debating about in my own mind. And, uh, yeah, I know it's out of left field. has nothing to do with really what I've been talking about here. But just want to share it nonetheless and kind of get your opinion on something like that. Just, just to gauge the idea. Um, and, and be able to bounce it off of someone else besides my own internal dialogue. Anyway, um, that's kind of what's been happening. As I said, please enjoy the Comic-Con LA panel. Um, it is there for you to watch, link to down below. Um, and as always, whatever questions you have, please comment down below or hit me up on social media at Bill Svitek. Would truly love to engage with you and hear you out. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'll see you next time.